In early June, Canada's National Advisory Committee on Immunization approved the practice of mixing and matching vaccines, suggesting Canadians could get a different vaccine for their first and second doses. Specifically, they recommended that Canadians receive either one of the two mRNA vaccines, Pfizer or Moderna, for their second dose, regardless of the vaccine that they got for their first dose. However, this sudden suggestion has caused confusion and uncertainty for many members of the public. Canada is one of very few countries who are mixing and matching vaccines and coupled with the phenomenon of vaccine shopping, where Canadians are only accepting specific vaccines, there are definitely many questions people want clarified. Well, if you're wondering about the safety or the long-term effects of mixing and matching, you're in the right place. I'm Connor. And I'm Sam. And welcome back to Vaccination, the show where we have candid conversations with researchers and scientists and ask them the questions that the mainstream media hasn't quite answered about your vaccination. Today we have with us Dr. Don Bowdish, a professor of pathology and molecular medicine from McMaster University's Immunology Research Center to talk about mixing and matching vaccines and what the current research is telling us about the safety and effectiveness of doing so. Thank you so much, John, for joining us today. Uh, do you want to take a few minutes just to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your background? Absolutely. I'm an immunologist. I'm the Canada Research Chair in Aging and, and Immunity because my, my research interest and my passion is really uh, older adults. And I've been studying how why older adults are more susceptible to respiratory infections uh, for, uh, I guess, 12 years now at McMaster. Uh, and of course, when COVID hit, then all of a sudden we really took a quick pivot and started applying our understanding of the aging immune system to COVID. And so I run a number of COVID-related studies and COVID vaccination-related studies, including the largest Canadian study of vaccination efficacy in long-term care. I also am a, a contributor to another study on vaccination in people who have uh, immune challenges, so uh, people who have immunological diseases on immunomodulatory drugs. And I do a few other studies of the long-term health consequences of COVID as well. So I, I feel that uh, I've got a perspective about, especially about vulnerable populations, and how their vaccine questions and concerns might differ from the rest of us. Absolutely. So we've got a real expert here. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Don, let's jump right in. Um, let's start with, you know, kind of the basic overarching question here. Is mixing and matching vaccines between your first and your second dose safe? Um, and if it is, what combinations do we currently have approved in Canada? That's a great question. So yes, mixing and matching is safe. And let me give you a little story to put anyone's mind at ease. I was at a meeting with 12 other immunologists before the official recommendations for mixing and matching. Some of us had had Moderna at one dose at that point. Some of us had had Pfizer. Some of us had AstraZeneca. And we were having a, a big debate about what we wanted next. And of the 12 immunologists, not a single one wanted to have the same vaccine twice. All of them wanted to mix and match. Some of them thought they'd like to have an AstraZeneca first, followed by an mRNA. Some people thought you could you know, maybe reverse those two around. The ones who had had mRNA first thought they definitely should get the second vaccine. So why are 12 out of 12 immunologists convinced that mixing and matching is a good idea? Well, it's because from decades of vaccinology research, we know that different types of vaccines show slightly different things to the immune system or activate slightly different immune cell populations. So when you mix and match, what you end up doing is getting the best of all worlds. And then you end up with what we call broader immune responses, meaning that you're, you have more antibodies to more parts 
of that virus. And uh, we'd predict that you'd be better protected. Awesome. I love that story of the immunologists and 12 out of 12 recommend. Uh, it's like a, the dentist commercials that are out there. Um, but that makes a lot of sense, right? You're Imagine you're learning math, right? And you're only testing by doing the same problem set over and over and over again. You'll learn that problem set really well. But as soon as you try and challenge your brain by trying different like problems, right? It's like we're challenging our immune system. Okay, let's try similar things, but to learn towards the same goal. So that's really cool. I like that. It's an awesome story to share. Um, so one major point of concern for some people is that these vaccines are different because they're made by different manufacturers and different mechanisms of action. Um, when vaccines are the same type, like Pfizer and Moderna, both being mRNA, is there some level of interchangeability? And, and why is that? Mm-hmm. The Pfizer and Moderna are so close together that really we're not worried about mixing and matching because they're so close. And let me give you another example. So I'm a good little immunologist. I'll take any vaccine that's offered to me. You, you, you know, I've got my tetanus shots up to date, but I have lived in other countries and had my tetanus shots in other countries too. So I've lived in the UK. So I got one tetanus shot in the UK and I've got, you know, my childhood tetanus shots and my uh, adult tetanus shots here in Canada. And over the course of my four and a half decades of life, <laughs> there have been different Mac, uh, provinces have used different tetanus shots. The ones that were available to me in the UK are not made by the same people as the ones who are available in Canada. And even the ones in Canada, the ones that were available when I was a child are not the same as the ones that were available to me as an adult. So I have no concerns whatsoever when I go in and get my 10-year my booster for my tetanus shot about what supplier they are because they're so, so similar. They're they're inducing similar immunity, and there's no reason to believe that things that are that similar will have a major difference. Getting a vaccine from an alternative supplier is something you have done your whole life, and you didn't know it, and it didn't harm your immune system whatsoever. Yeah, so it sounds like um, you know these vaccines are interchangeable, um, kind of based on these ideas that there's a lot of other interchangeable vaccines and drugs out there that are just similar in structure. Um, so in terms of safety, we can kind of look at it like that. But something that I think a lot of people have been concerned about is the fact that there's no real data on the effectiveness of mixing and matching these specific mm-hmm. vaccines. Um, but in you know some recent weeks, we've heard that there is some emerging data to support this idea. Um, so what I want to ask you is, do you know uh, what exactly is this data? What did they look at? How did they how did they test the effectiveness of mixing and matching? Who did they test it on? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's been incredibly large, well-powered studies with lots and lots of people from Spain and the UK and Germany looking at having an AstraZeneca first and then following up with a Pfizer. Uh, There was recently one on AstraZeneca and Moderna. And uh, then there was one that was looking, what if you got Pfizer first and then AstraZeneca or AstraZeneca and then Pfizer? And so these uh, studies have been done. And partially, you know, all these countries are looking at these studies because some countries had different types of vaccines available. You know, the UK really relied heavily on AstraZeneca to get their population vaccinated. Other countries, including Canada, had ups and downs of who we had when and what would be most effective. 
And universally, what they found is that all the combinations seem to work well. The ones that work particularly well tend to be when you start with an AstraZeneca and you add a Pfizer on that, or a Moderna on that, one of the mRNA vaccines, and they produce lots of top quality antibodies. And a lot of those antibodies are really good at dealing with these variants of concern. So when uh, those studies came down, I think many of us uh, sighed relief. But I would also say that we're kind of doing this experiment in real time in Canada. We have a significant proportion of our population who's had mixed and matched doses. I know my husband, uh, he got an AstraZeneca first. And I was like, oh, I hope you get a Moderna next because I have such top quality antibodies. And he did. And I was thrilled. And we are seeing in real time the effects of having everyone double dosed. We're seeing that we're really making a big impact on the circulation of variants of concern. We're seeing hospitalizations decrease. We're seeing our oldest old and our vulnerable uh, be more protective as we're starting to see the effects of herd immunity. We are in no way out of the water yet. One in five Canadians is not protected, but we are seeing the efficacy of getting those vaccines out quick, getting everyone vaccinated, getting them protected from those variants of concern. So I'm, I'm pretty pleased that Canada took this approach. Yeah, that's great. And, and I know a lot of people want to see the studies, even if they don't read them or like they'll get a summary. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you say, oh, there haven't been studies done yet, but now that we're getting that data, it's good that we can sort of like collect this and spread that information and, and hopefully ease some concerns. I know some people like they don't want to be the quote unquote guinea pigs. And we talked about that in a previous mm-hmm. episode as well. Um, so that's really good to hear that there, there are studies going on and we're testing a lot of things and, and Canada is a great case study seeing our cases go down and our hospitalizations and our deaths go down, which is really, really awesome. So one mm-hmm. uh, question that we get, often is about long-term effects of vaccines, right? So do you think there's any long-term effects of mixing and matching vaccines or any like vaccines in general? That's a a big question we get. I'm really glad you asked that question because it gets me to talk a little bit about how a vaccine actually works and the magic of the immune system, which by the way, are my favorite topic. So um, I think, you know, a lot of the concern about long-term effects comes from the fact that people think vaccines are like drugs. They think that there's something that you take and that they're in your body for a really long time and they could maybe go to different organs and they could do things. So let me just walk you through what a vaccine is and does, and then we'll talk a little bit about safety concerns with mixing and matching or with vaccines in general. So when we uh, put a vaccine into your arm, we basically have some way of showing uh, your immune system a protein. And in this case, it's called a spike protein. So it's the little, if you've seen those pictures of the gray and red coronavirus, that little red spiky bit um, is, is what our immune system gets to see. So the vaccine is easy come, easy go. Once those proteins are made, they're quickly chopped up and then they're presented to those antibody producing cells and then they're gone ephemeral. And the other parts of the vaccine that we put in also don't have any staying power or longevity. We put a little bit of fat and for the mRNA ones, uh, a little bit of lipids, you know, very similar to the ones that our own body has, maybe a little bit of sugar, a little bit of salt. I mean, nothing you couldn't eat effectively. And uh, 
And uh, for the viral vector one, it's the same thing. So there's a little bit of this virus, which is broken down by your immune system. So there's no chance of, you know, the vaccine sticking around and causing a problem because it's not meant to stick around. And if you remember in the early days, there's so much panic about these mRNA vaccines because they had to be kept cold. And if any, if we have any scientists listening who've worked with mRNA, they have had it disappear in front of their very eyes because it's a, it's a message. mRNA is message RNA. It's not meant to stick around. It's easy come, easy go. So the whole bits and pieces of the vaccine are quickly metabolized and disappear. What sticks around? It's your immune response that sticks around. After we we make this, we carry that with us for the rest of our days. So any quote unquote damage from a vaccine, unless you have an allergy to one of those parts, is not going to be from the parts of the vaccine because they're, they're no longer with you. It's from your immune response itself. It takes six to eight weeks to make the perfect immune response, a fully mature, grown-up immune response. And so any side effects that happen with vaccination happen by that six to eight week time. I can't think of an example when there's been uh, a vaccine that's caused any damage after that six to eight week. And even the very rare uh, negative effects that we have, like with the AstraZeneca and the blood clotting as an example, they all happen as that immune response is getting sort of made. So the issue of the vaccine having long-term damage is so unlikely, I can't even conceive of a situation where it would happen. All right, Don. Well, thank you so much for engaging uh, with us again today. Uh, We and our listeners really appreciate your insights. I'm sure everybody appreciates a little bit of confidence in the fact that mixing and matching is safe and is likely uh, very effective against COVID-19. Thank you so much for having me and thanks for all the good work you're doing. So just before we sign off for today, we want to remind you all that if you do decide to get a vaccine, you can find current locations through the Government of Ontario website, your region or district's websites, and at Vax Hunters Can, who regularly provide information about pop-up vaccine clinics. Links are in the episode description. And if you have any vaccine-related questions on your own, you can reach us at Science for Everyone on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thank you again for tuning in and remember to subscribe for more conversations and some insightful answers to your vaccine questions. Vaccination is a joint production of Science for Everyone and Misinformed.ca. It's produced by Sam Marchetti, Connor McLean, Nagar Astley, June Kim, Maria Denk, and Kayla McKee, with editorial help provided by Kayla Benjamin. This podcast was produced in partnership with Misinformed in support of their PHAC-funded campaign, hashtag I Got Vaccinated. Vaccinated.